0: Don't don't open that box.
1: What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it.
0: You shouldn't have opened it. Open it. Open it. Open.
2: listening people hello you're listening to spit and polish presents the mystery box this is the second episode of the mystery box uh yeah that's a statement i just want to say it's the second episode and i'm ryan slavinsky the host of spin polish and and my other friend who just said hello as well is
3: don't call me friend call me co-host
2: co-host
3: is bartek bartek whom Bartek from Australia.
2: Oh, is that why we're called spit and Polish? Because we're always spitting and we both happen to be Australians who have Polish ancestry. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? Well, the Australian thing doesn't really matter. But it doesn't yeah. really come into it unless we call ourselves spit-oz and Polish. Spitters. Spit-oz. 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 No, spit-oz. No, spit-oz and Polish. Yeah. Or if we change the S in Polish to the... To z, So it's like... Z- Polzz. In Polish. Polish? Yeah. Okay. Polish. I, I don't speak Australian or Polish, evidently. Can we change the H to a Z? Because in Polish, SZ is an S? I can't, Bartek. I can't do that. Redcon, and I redcon, can't redcon, tell redcon, you people redcon. what this Con. episode's about because I'm just lazy right now. No, Mystery Box, for those who are not in the know, and, you know, that's a few people. I, I won't hold it against you. Bartek will, but I won't hold it against you. On this show... We uh, talk about a a film that we have... What? We are talk. We are talk! I don't know why that's a laugh. We are talking. We are going to talk. The Mystery Box. What is it? Well, we get a random film or product... That someone has made a studio or some random person that we have no real connection to. Something that is completely unknown to us or hey, maybe we've heard the name of it in the wind. These films we usually find in an op shop, uh, a $2 store or, or maybe on the streets. Uh, Vartek, we don't always do it alone because we've only done this two times now and we have a guest this time as we did the first time round uh and i would ask you what the film we are watching and you'd usually in the other show on appreciate masterpieces give us the polish title of this but since you don't know what the film is and we didn't like we only just watched it together i'm not going to expect that of you but i'm expecting you to introduce our amazing guest that also had to watch the film with us, yeah, a couple of having ago. not seen it before and having to swallow it into their eyeballs. Who's the person that's joining us for this episode?
3: The special guest that we have on this episode is one of our most recurring guests on the other show, Unappreciated Masterpieces. They could technically
2: be a great recurring guest on this show, if... if- well, we've, they've appeared in fifty percent of the episodes. Well, right here's a little
3: fun fact: we've only done two episodes. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's great I, when I, someone's listening to this and they've listened to our tenth episode <laughs> and they've skipped <laughs> this one. They come back and it's like, "Hey, oh, it's fucking idiots. They don't know what they're on about. Let's, they're like fourteen episodes in." Let's
3: make a statement: the sixth episode is going to be awful, but it's our best one. <laughs> <laughs> The guest is Reese McKenzie.
1: Hello, listening people. I'm glad to be on the second episode of The Mystery Box, and I'm looking forward to what we have to say.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to it as well, because lucky us... Lucky? Lucky us. The Mystery Box offered us an amazing film called Keeping Up With The Steins with everyone's favourite lead actor, Jeremy Piven, who is technically not the lead... Because it's that kid from the Spy Kids
1: movie,
2: you know, not not the girl, but you remember the boy? The one with the warts on his fingers because he got stressed out a lot? Well, he's in this new movie called Keeping Up With The Steins that's actually uh, very old now, but he's in this new movie called Keeping Up With The Steins where he's very different to his Spy Kids counterpart role in which in Spy Kids he played a young... Boy with interesting parents who is very nervous. In this film, he plays a a, a nearly young man Hmm. who has very interesting parents who's very nervous. Uh, You found the parents very interesting, Ryan? (laughs) Didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you come in here and say otherwise. Um, If this film turned out to be that Jeremy Piven was actually... A secret super spy for the Jewish Intelligence Agency or the JIA? Hold on, Ryan. The (laughs) JIA. Take a step back. Hold on, hold on. Take a step back. (laughs) Take a
3: step back, guys. Why'd you say Jewish? Does Jewish have anything to do with this? Well, the Steins
2: (laughs) are involved. Okay, okay. Let's break this down a bit easier. I'm going to just say this film's called Keeping Up With The Steins. Mm-hmm. it's a film we watched I have no connection with it other than I'm the one who found this in an op shop and I was like I must have this Barzik any connections for you it's pretty much
3: the exact same as what I was saying in our first episode in that you've had this DVD for such a you know such a long time over a year and you'd bring it up every now and then um, and be excited because we're eventually going to see it
2: Race. yes You've already talked about the Keeping Up with the Steins, like Bartok mentioned in the past. Yeah, You actually do have a a slight connection with this in terms of you already knew what it... You you already had heard about this film. Yes, Unlike Bartok and myself, who had no idea of the name or anything about it, you had actually
1: heard the title at least. I heard the title. I knew it was on a channel called Movie One back in the day of Foxtel mm-hmm. I and I was like maybe I should watch this sometime soon but I didn't and it all led to this so it's sort of all connecting connecting to this episode of the mystery box and I was could I possibly give a little hint of my review of this film right oh, now oh, a little yeah. hint a little hint give okay. us give us a circumcision what? nothing go
2: okay. you meant foreskin Ryan. he's going to give us a little cut Okay. Of his <laughs> review. That Come. makes
1: more sense, yeah. Disappointment.
2: Oh! That's a very, um... Because this that's movie... That's a
1: very Jewish thing this to This movie on. is called Keeping Up With The Steins. Uh-huh. And that's what the film's about. Yeah. It's about It's that. not about <laughs> that whatsoever.
2: I am going to give our guest the honor, the the pleasure... The duty. Yeah, yeah, the burden. <laughs> <laughs> Not
3: burden, the duty.
1: The honourable duty. The honourable duty, <laughs> I can use or, this Like a samurai.
2: Having to do a, a quick overview and synopsis of the film Keeping Up With The styles for our audience who aren't familiar with it. Tell them kind of what it happens and what it's about.
1: Basically, there's this um, boy being played by Daryl S- Sabara. S- uh, I don't it's know. okay. Sabara. You can yeah, say can Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, who is also hmm. in this film. And he plays this young boy who has to go through his bar mitzvah. His parents want to do this absolutely big romp of a bar mitzvah, but he just wants to be left alone. So in order to do that, he actually invites his grandfather, who has not been around for at least a couple of decades, so that chaos ensues and the bar mitzvah does not go down well. Mm -hmm. However, this does not happen. And he actually learns to figure out what bar mitzvah actually means. What it means to become a man. What it means to become a man and a Jew at the same time.
2: Wow. That was really emotional. But here's, i got a question for you. Yes. Who are the Steins? Are they okay. a kid's the kid's family? St- <laughs> no. So the main kid is a Stein, yeah? The, I imagine that's who no. he is. No. What? They're the Feeblers.
1: The what? The Feeblers. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh my God. We have the DVD right. in front of us.
2: Go on, read it Know <laughs> that he called them the feeblers Go on What are they called, Rhys? The Who smart. are they called? <laughs> Does not... it tell you on the back no, of the TV? How would I tell you? You're wrong, they're the, feedlers, you the feeblers The feeblers <laughs> You're saying, you said And I think it's just like, with a B? It's a yeah, D? Feeblers,
1: feedlers. feeblers. No <laughs> You're saying feeblers
2: Oh, it's not even
1: on the um, chapter selection.
2: <laughs> because no one cares. They are... Okay, so, good try. <laughs> Gold star for you. Gold star. Bartek. Yeah? You know the feeblers who are not in this film. But the Is main... feeblers with
3: a B-beta
2: or a D-delta? A B-beta. They're not in the film. Right. But the, the feed-liz... <laughs> God, it's getting hard to even <laughs> say it now that I've noticed that Reese got it straight out of the gate wrong. Our main
3: character is not from the Stein family. He is from the Fifi family. But Ryan, or Reece, okay, he, he might still have the honour-bound duty. Who are the Steins, if not the main character's family?
2: I'll give it to Reese Now, Reese, he said Steins, not
1: Steens. Go on. The Steins... Are a sort of a sort of a family who sort are so, okay. They are a family who are sort of like actors like the competition, but then they're, they're not really the main antagonists of the film. Does, does that make sense? Who is it? Does but I want to the know main antagonist. There is no main antagonist. I think clearly you didn't know who Jeremy Piven was. Well, he's not an antagonist. He's a <laughs> he's, like, he's a conflicted character.
2: Yeah, but he's an antagonist.
3: Antagonist. It is a character. That stands in the way of the protagonist. We know for a fact that our protagonist is, is the, the young boy. Yes. Yeah. From the Fifi family. From the Fifi family. <laughs> so what is his goal, Reese?
1: His goal is to get out of his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm.
3: And who is standing in the way of him getting out of his bar mitzvah? Literally everyone. So
1: the antagonist is the father. I shall correct myself there.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Yes. Why is he the antagonist? Because Bartek just proved that he was... In- no, no, no! In... But what's
3: he doing to be the antagonist?
1: Okay, so he's standing in the way of trying to not. Okay, so the boy uh, basically does not want to go through with his bar mitzvah, mm-hmm. and he. But his dad's like, no, we've got to outcompete the Steins. We've got to make this as big as possible. We've got to look good, basically. Outcompete
3: them because the son of the Steins at the beginning had a bar mitzvah, and it was incredibly extravagant. Yeah, it was the Titanic. It was the Titanic bar mitzvah. That was the
1: theme. Which, it was, was, which was ridiculous, to be honest.
2: They spent, in the film, they even stated they spent half a million dollars on his bar mitzvah. Oh,
3: they did, yeah. Wait a
2: minute, oh, very clever.
1: He zigs when everyone else zags. He's saying, I'm so rich, I don't have to try to impress anyone.
0: Well, then why'd we spend half a million dollars? Because that shit
1: talked us
2: into it. Hi! Let me just say it. Not a fan of Keeping Up with the Steins. It's Noah Robots Christmas, but <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar. Um, not a fan because my main issue was well, I had lots of issues. This is a film like Reese said that's about like uh, it's a coming of age story, realizing who you are, I finding that. your. <sighs>
0: Reasonless. I know
2: you didn't say that <laughs> verbatim, but what you said in the synopsis is a coming of age identity story. Sorry, Reese, <laughs> I'm the feebler in the room now. No. no change it
1: change back, Ryan. Change it back. I want to be the feebler. Okay, you're the feebler. You're, you're always... the feebler and Bartek's Fifi. Fee-
2: I don't like this film for for many reasons. There's so many reasons that we'll get into. But one of the main reasons is... Reese brought it up, which is... This is a coming-of-age story, essentially. It's about a young boy becoming a man and finding his place in the world and within his family dynamics. Which is a, always essential. But the problem I felt with it was... It's a very uh, first-world problems kind of film in which everyone that you see in the film is so rich and powerful. I don't feel any stakes with anyone involved, and it just felt like poor white privilege, or in this case, poor Jew privilege.
3: That that is a that is a main point to also say every. Everyone. Pretty much
2: everyone in this film
3: is Jewish and talking about bar mitzvahs and what they mean. Everyone has this kind of value to them. Not, like, not literally everyone. Like, there are some characters who are just friends of them who, you know...
2: They have a black friend. They have a black
3: friend. They have a <laughs> token black friend. There's a token
1: black friend because they need diversity. Doesn't least... have
3: much hair. He says shalom.
0: Well, gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go. Shalom.
1: Shalom. And he drinks. <laughs> he oh yeah, they drink a lot of alcohol in one scene.
3: And there's a there's a scene where they do the fist stuff. Oh yeah, the, that Ryan. Really Jeremy
2: liked. Piven shakes hands with the black kid, and they do the full slapping skins, fist bumping, <laughs> flicking, clicking. But
3: where I was... it was so urban. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but where I was going with that was. Look, guys, I'm just going to come out and say it. Ryan, Reese, and I, we're not Jewish.
1: What? No, we're not, ju- well, I'm not, are not you Jewish. you Jewish,
2: Ryan? Are you Jewish? No, 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 no. But I just wanted to say what anyway, just for to be
1: dramatic. What? You didn't what? Know, you what? didn't know you weren't Jewish? Is that what you're trying to say?
2: Who are you, young man?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Reese, are you Jewish? Not that I know of. That's my but point. Wait, you don't know, though. What I mean by the
3: fact that we are not Jewish yes. is that it comes across...
2: It was a learning experience for us in a way, mm, because we're sensitised to the Western ideals that Christianity is the you what you understand of family dynamics, the Christian values. This is a Jew Jewish value film, and it's very alien to us. I think. Yeah, th- th- for us, there was a lot of giggling
3: at Yiddish words being said, and <laughs>
2: it's because they just say yeah. them. Let's get it's Jewish. Are you ready to get Jewish? Yeah. All right,
0: let's do it. We oh, yeah. get hungry for a little nosh later. He's focusing on his spilkis with Erwin. Who are you calling an alter cocky, you little pisher? What is this queer yeah. eye for the straight goy? Yeah.
1: Spinning. I'm spinning. Oh well, yes. sometimes spin.
0: they're spinning and they're spitting. Here they're spitting. and locks. The forschluggerna ones. Whatever for the thing. Oh, that's beautiful. Say mashugana
1: into it. Hi. I promise to bust my Tucas to be as much of a match as my son Benjamin. Say
0: Spilkiss. Spilkis.
1: And because Gary Marshall's saying them at the same <laughs> time, like there's a point where they have a like a video being shot for the bar mitzvah, and it's like a reality TV show and Gary Marshall just proclaims What is this? Queer eye for the straight goy <laughs> I forgot
3: that about that. That was probably line. my favourite line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also there was a very matter of fact no no big deal at all kind of attitude with certain things like like the fact that Catherine Zeta Jones was apparently gonna be at the the Bar mitzvah, like no big deal, she's gonna be there. Yeah, because we can afford her. Yeah, we can afford her. Plus, the dad's job is, like, he's a ta- talent agent for actors.
2: Which the was, or as described by the film, being a pimp for actors. That's right.
0: My dad always wanted to be a movie producer, but he became an agent, which is like being a pimp for TV and movie stars. My mom's like... Normal.
1: I wanted Larry Miller to be in the film more.
2: We Cause... all wanted Larry Miller to be in the film more. Because
1: it would just be like, there'd be a random scene, like Jeremy Piven's going for a run, and then all of a sudden, Larry Miller in an even better <laughs> tracksuit. <laughs> no, okay. you guys are acting like he's on the front cover of the DVD. <laughs> he <laughs> is! <laughs> Maybe yeah. we should talk about the DVD cover. See, this is what I mean by misguiding. It makes it seem as if they're competing with the stars, but that's not what it's about, essentially. Okay. I mean, to an extent, there is that part of the story. But the main story is that there's a problem in the family dynamic that has to be fixed,
2: basically. It's a generational problem. Yeah. The sins, and it says this in their bar mitzvah, when you become a man, the sin, your sins, before you become a man, your sins are on the sins of your parents. And then when you become a man, your sins are your own. Uh, The problem that the family has, the family that uh, the Fiedlers have, is that they haven't learned the true meaning of Bar Mitzvah in terms of the sins of the individuals haven't been applied because they're still the sins of the parents in terms of the sins to go back to Gary Marshall in their family, which is Gary Marshall's character left Jeremy, the grandfather, played by Gary Marshall, left the family, left Jeremy Piven's character when he was a child to be a free spirit type, to to shirk the responsibilities of being a father and a husband and just a general member of society. Yeah, he so- pretty much
3: has a, a scene where he talks about how nine to five working, going there, going back is not for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, all right, I- just couldn't be one of those schmucks who sold linoleum flooring, who took the train to work every morning and took the train home every night. It
0: killed me to be one of those schmucks, Rose. Those schmucks were fathers, Erwin. Those schmucks were husbands. You think it was all easy for them? They were making sacrifices. And you just left us without a word i I really thought you'd be better off without me
2: this film really revolves around the fact of um generational issues so gary marshall's decision has rippled to jeremy piven and jeremy piven's relationship with his son has been affected by the overall choices of the parents so that's what i mean in terms of That's a very nice thematic thing that they don't beat you over the head with in terms of the idea that this family's lost their way with uh, their Jewish faith and what bar mitzvah actually means in terms of individuality. Because Jeremy Piven's character is still obsessed, still determined with his hatred and and loathsome nature towards his father who for 95% of the film does nothing to redeem himself for Jeremy Piven's character. So it's this generational blindness, and it's our main character who... Br- uh, our main character played by the kid from Spike is who breaks the chain. Who's the one who stands up and says to his mum, not to the dad, that, no, I don't want a fancy bar mitzvah, I want a normal bar mitzvah, I just want it... M- I just want to be who I am, and that's really what this film is kind of about it's just generational dysfunctional nature between the generations that's finally broken with the grandson who's our main character you
0: know, that's what a bar is all about family sharing generations connecting traditions passed down
2: the dvd cover <laughs> the dvd covers what drew me in like all great films you have to be you have to draw your audiences in with the promotional material, the art that is advertisement. And a cover, a poster, is very important to drawing you in. Now, this drew me in, in the negative sense, of course. I got this DVD because I knew it looked like trash. And how does it look like trash? It has in big goofy font keeping up with the steins where each word is a different size to the other one except for up and width are the same size and they're the littlest. Keeping is in red for some reason with a lowercase k. It's all about the colour. It's all about the colour. It has a nice pop of red and then the background image and the is... the P is going into the S of steins. Of course it is. <laughs> it has all the cast names on top and then the background is one half the left half is white. And the right half is blue and there's just like a just a line. It doesn't blur, it's just a line. And you follow that line down from the title, and who do you see in the center of it? Gary Marshall. And who else do you see, guys?
1: Doris Roberts.
2: Doris Roberts. Ray Romano's mum in uh, Everybody loves Raymond and also Dickie Roberts' mum in Dickie Roberts. You're thinking, okay, they're they're the central they're the center point there. And it's called the Stein, so these must be like the the matriarchy and the patriarchy of of the stein family right that's what you're thinking yeah, I think that's fair enough. Okay, so these are the heads of the Steins, right? And they're really small in the in the in the image, like like they're far away, but unfortunately the Photoshop doesn't give you that illusion, it just makes it look like they're really small. Yeah, and you see their full bodies on like the other characters. <laughs> other characters. On so on the I'll go on the right hand side you have Larry Miller, who we all should know Larry Miller. He was on Seinfeld, he's in the Nutty Professor movies. I think so. 10 Things I Hate About You I'm pretty sure he's Is it 10 Things I Hate About You? Yeah, yeah, All Clueless 10 Things I Hate About You, probably I can't remember, and he's in like a lot of things He's very famous, he was also in A previous mystery box Which was The Legend of Frosted Snowman In which he played Principal Mayor Or Mayor Principal Hanky Panky
0: Panky Panky.
2: We have him, and he's being really like dickish on the cover, isn't he Bartek? Like, describe Larry Miller for us. Well, not dickish, but kind of douchey, cocky, smug. I like how dickish was too much, <laughs> but cocky, smug, well, dickish, and douche. dickish implies you're being rude. I guess, but douche doesn't.
3: No, because douchey kind of like an attitude thing, whereas yeah, but d- dickish is an attitude thing. Yeah, but it's it kind of implies that you're wronging. Bartek,
2: someone. you know what? I don't want to have a fight with you. This film taught us the unity of bar mitzvahs. Dig deep into Larry Miller on this cover. Okay, well he's <laughs> on the rightmost part of the frame. Yeah, you can almost he's...
3: see his the entire roundness of his head. There's just just a tiny bit off the frame. He is giving us a wink with his left eye, sort of. Or oh, it's actually more of a squint. Or a maybe it's he's wink.
1: really angry. He's lo- like, it, oh, that was... That was he us. looks like he's in the middle of, like, a Tourette's blink. <laughs> no, he he lo- he's, he's, he's giving a wink, right? And he's doing up his tie, so that implies he has it in the bag. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 and he does. That's exactly what he has it in the bag. <laughs> but the point is, this that's that's not the film. And to his right, our
3: left, so sort of like in the three quarters part of the frame, going left to right, is his son in the film.
2: Well, you, uh, yeah, yeah, that's very good because with the visual representation, you're assuming, oh, well, that's going to be his son, of course, because he's looking a bit dickish too. Yeah, his
3: son is giving this look to the camera, like oh, this guy, right, and pointing with his thumb, but not looking in the direction that he's pointing. Yeah. And uh, we're not really entirely sure what he's pointing at, but if you were to take the cover literally, he's pointing at the tiny uh, <laughs> Gary, Gary Miller.
2: Gary <laughs> Marshall, not Gary Miller. I called him Miller
3: earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Fuck
2: Marshall. you. No, I called... Yeah. You got Larry, La- Larry Miller. Larry, Larry Miller. Larry Marshall. Larry Marshall. <laughs> Gary Marshall. No, so you got the little son there who's mm. also wearing a similar outfit. Like, he's wearing, like, proper formal clothes, like yeah, a tie. He's not wearing
3: a blazer, but pretty much the same thing.
2: Yeah, like, and he's wearing a belt. And he's pointing at little Gary Marshall who's pointing a thumb back.
3: You call him Gary Marshall now.
2: His name is oh, wait, Gary no.
1: Marshall. Born, <laughs> uh-huh. Feeble, <Ryan>. Feeble. <laughs> no fee- oh, wait, no. He's the one that i made the mistake of. Feebler, Ryan. Feebler. No, Feebler. Oh, wait, no, I don't know the answer to that question. What question? Oh, which one it is? Is it feedler Feebler? or f- okay? It's not Fifi. We know that. How
2: do you know? Wait, <laughs> he <laughs> <laughs> had to stop right then. Sorry. You'd be like, Wait, it, it's definitely not Fifi. Like, like he's not sure, but he has to say it because he doesn't want to come across. He's trying to be like, nice.
1: You're nice, Bruce. I, I love I'm it. I'm not nice. I'm so, just dumb.
2: In the cover you have them on the on a, on the right hand side of the poster and they're on the blue side and I forgot to mention this but like they have like confetti just kind of falling in the in the frame of oh, yeah. the poster
3: and the ones on the Right hand side are kind of sparkly.
2: Yeah, because they're rich and sparkly. So so then you have oh by the way, Doris Roberts' gesture is she's throwing her hands up in the air like, Oh, I've had enough of this. She's yeah, the hands are doing
3: the thing from that like that meme that was made out of the Neil deGrasse, Neil DeGrasse Tyson. Tyson thing, like, oh
2: no oh. Yeah, she's doing that. <laughs> oh, I'm done with this. And then you have like on the left hand side, you have our our actual characters. On the left hand side we have one of the spy kids and Jeremy Piven. And the little spy kid, well, he's wearing, you know, normal clothes, like a little shirt and a belt, and he's he's got his hands in his pockets and he's just kind of like rolling his eyes and his shoulders are up high. And Jeremy Piven is kind of like leaning in with his arms crossed, looking at Larry Miller being a bit of a knob and giving him this look like I am so over you. And you're thinking, "Oh, okay. Oh well, okay, I'll say this. I looked at the cover, and I I assumed what the story was, right? And I read the back and it was basically saying this family gets together and they have a Jewish coming-of-age story, right? I look at the cover and I'm like, oh, okay. So you have the grandparents there who are the traditional sticklers for bar mitzvahs and all of this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Larry Miller is going to be like the flashy one, which no. he was in the movie, who wants to do like a decadent, over-the-top, garish kind of... Uh, Bar mitzvah for his son, and then his brother Jeremy Piven. It's like an uncle cousin. Yeah, exactly. And then he's and and the kid, uh, Larry Miller's kid's gonna be like the antagonistic kind of character for our main character. Like he's gonna be his rival, right? And and then that's what I thought. It's gonna be a rivalry between the Steins within themselves, and then Jeremy Piven's gonna be like, I'm gonna outdo him, and then you just have Doris Roberts being like, Hey, don't they know the true meaning? And we were wrong. I was wrong, at least. I don't know. What did you have an interpretation of... Well, Well, I didn't really get to
3: look at the cover as much as you did, Ryan. But I pretty much had this same idea. Like, the film's called Keeping Up with the Steins. And the word Steins crosses between the left half of the frame and the right half. Fra- yeah. I say frame. The cover, the white side and the blue side. So I would assume that, oh, I am looking at the greater Stein's family minus mothers, obviously. Yeah, because there's no mums. Yeah, no mums. Even though the mums on the on the non-Stein family, as we learn, does play a part in the film. They do. Um. Yeah, so I assumed that the film would focus on all of the characters on this cover, and they are the Steins.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you were wrong. Bartek. you didn't mention the biggest part, which was you didn't know... You forgot that it was called Keeping Up With The Steins. Yeah, I kept calling it Meet The Steins. <laughs> <laughs> meet The Steins. And it was great because in the movie, the Steins are barely there, and there was a point where you're like, well, we're not really meeting them very much, and it's like, because we're keeping
3: up with them, Bartek. I said something like, uh... Yeah, these guys aren't the steins right
1: yeah. the guy
2: didn't get, it didn't get brought up for a while <laughs> yeah yeah. it was like we're the fiddlers or whatever the mm. fiddlers yeah this is another thing <laughs> the that i
1: fiddlers if they I make added. a
2: reference to fiddler on the roof later yeah in the final scene
1: what's fiddler trying to pull
2: here
0: i don't get it is this supposed to be like fiddler on the roof
1: no that's a good one fiddler
0: on the wait a minute
3: all oh, very clever speaking of not the final scene the first scene Um, where we're getting introduced to, uh, the actual Stein family's sons, uh, on the cruise ship. We have this panning shot of the cruise ship that lasts like 20 to 40 seconds, going very slowly. (laughs) And Um, the
2: camera's jittering along.
3: (laughs) Yeah. and, And the,
2: and our main character is talking over it, uh. Not- narrating he's not talking like he's not got like a big head like in spy kids where it's projected yeah. in the sky is talking over the ship yeah. benji benji is just talking about <laughs> That's like, his name yeah.
3: yeah
2: um i remembered
3: because it looked like genji or kenji but it wasn't uh our character is talking about it and how this is going to be a bar mitzvah and at this and like towards the end of this shot you've got this idea of oh yeah we're looking at a cruise ship still but, and he ends his uh, monologue during that shot with, and believe it or not, this bar mitzvah was on a cruise ship.
0: In some neighbourhoods, the party becomes a lot more important than anything else. I live in one of those neighbourhoods. My problem started at Zachary Stein's bar mitzvah party, which, believe it or not, was on a cruise ship.
1: I was expecting, like, you know... A competition movie, at least, you know, there'd be some, there'd be more big, like, set pieces, like, oh, there's a sporting event, or there's, like, oh, and the bar mitzvah is, like, the big set piece where everything goes wrong or goes right for the... Yeah. ...Feedlers.
3: I suppose if you were to take what you just said there about it being a competition... You could kind of think of it as that opening scene, this is the Steins' appeal to the judges. Mm. And then the rest of the film is the Feedlers wanting to appeal to the judges. And
1: it could have been like the the, the character, main character of Benji, him being like, I don't want to go all out on this bar misfit. And the dad's like, no, we got keep, keep to keep up with the Steins, basically. We've got to keep it big, basically. And it could be just the foil of the family. But it's completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. It's misleading as all hell.
2: You know what I thought this film was going to be? I thought it was going to be um, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, where Steve oh, yeah. Mann has to compete against Eugene Levy. That's exactly how I thought this film was going to be, but they're going to use Bar Mitzvah. And, and I, look, I'm not saying that it's negative off the bat to have the Steins as minor, if not very little, in terms of characters in the story. And use them at the start to set up this competitive nature and let it roll on from there. Because there have been movies where... They, again, we've had movies in the past that have been great where the competition aspect isn't even really there. Like, for instance, for some reason, and I know this sounds absurd, but I thought of the uh, a Goofy movie. The the movie about Goofy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in that film, it has five minutes of his next-door neighbor, and they're pretty much the Steins, where the they've got this... Or yeah, yeah, where they're, like, big and lavish and better, and it gets this insecurity into Goofy and whatever. And that film does it very well, and the film doesn't even revolve around the competition between those two characters. See, I'm not saying it's impossible for you to not use the Steins as very minor little characters and and not have the movie be a competition movie. But the film is a competition movie, and you don't have the competition. That's the problem I have. Y- you say the film is a competition film. I think it's just that it
3: looks like it's meant to be.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah, I think we are supposed Pretty to be
3: bamboozled when, when um, by the, it. And this is crossing over to something we did on Unappreciated Masterpieces. But while we were watching the film... Uh, an hour or so ago, I brought up a comparison to the film Snow Day Yeah, where in that film it will, it was focusing on a family and cut between each member and it would always be like their own plot is going on mm. and, I, and I was the comparison that I was making to this is yes Benji is the main character but it would also sometimes focus on the dad the mm. dad is the one who's obsessed and kind of thinks that he's in a competition film.
2: I got of took me a while, other than the kids narration, it took me like ten minutes into the film to realise Jeremy Piven's not gonna be an actual main, main character, you know what I mean, like in terms of what you were saying because I actually thought that too, like when you said that, I'm like, yeah, I think this film's gonna focus on certain members of the family I thought it would be like the three... Far, like three male figures the son, the dad, and yeah, the grandfather. The three generations, yeah. But it didn't really. It focused more on Gary Marshall and the, son, and the son, but not Jeremy Piven so much, which is disappointing because Jeremy Piven's character has very interesting arc and interesting characterization because Jeremy Piven's a great actor. Who I must say, Jeremy Piven is an amazing actor who I must admit, I've never seen anything he's been in. I've never watched Entourage. I. Only seen clips of it. And I know his character an asshole in that. And I believe him as an asshole, And in this film he's an asshole. But my problem is they frame him like he's out of control. But I actually agreed with him for the whole entire movie. About his relationship with Gary Marshall is basically... He resents him and doesn't want to forgive him because Gary Marshall did an awful thing, which was leave the family and not really do anything to redeem himself for that. But everyone in the family just and everyone in the family, including Doris Roberts, the the, the main character, everyone's just saying, hey, Jeremy Piven, get over it. It was a long time ago. You're a grown man. You've done better than he did. So get over it. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make up for you can't just get over something like being abandoned by your father. You know, you can't just get over that. And they have a great scene at the end where Jeremy Piven says that and the film still frames it in a way where it's like, you should be on Gary Marshall's side. And I'm just, I'm sorry, Gary Marshall. You did good in the film. He's actually the shining, shining star. With the whole thing of getting over
3: the fact that his father left, that's the, most of the characters in the film, their point is that that's not what his presence is about. His presence is about... Meeting his you know grandson and being there for him.
2: Yeah, I guess I don't know It just felt like a lot of people were just saying hey Gary Marshall's tried You know like his the wife Jeremy Piven's wife says like, you know I think he's putting in an effort and I'm like yeah for the grandson, but that doesn't mean Nothing for Jeremy Piven like it could it should if it was a healthy dynamic between them both But there is no healthy dynamic there and the film kind of just tells you hey Jeremy Piven got over it because he finally let go. But why did he let go? Like, Gary Marshall didn't really do anything. He gave one little speech at the end that was basically saying, hey, I I screwed up, but, you know, have you screwed up before? Yeah, okay, now we understand one another. And that was it. Like, like, in the film, Jeremy Piven's screwing up by not understanding what his son wants. While Gary Marshall screwed up by not only not understanding what his son wants, but left and never returned and never really asks for forgiveness or never really seeks redemption for that in the film itself. So I think those are very different things entirely. Like Jeremy Piven, he can just actually have... He actually has a relationship with his son. Oh, I don't know. I just found it very contrived in the film that that it's like... Gary Marshall, he's, he was a great actor. You know, a great presence, lots of energy. And if they just wrote it better, wrote it neater, wrote it in a way where I could understand where they're both coming from. But the only reason you understand where Gary Marshall's coming from is because they give him more time, they frame him in a more positive light, and he's just such an upbeat presence as a performer. But mm. that's it.
3: Yeah, that, that, is a, that is a true fact, because every time... Jeremy Piven and Gary Marshall are in a scene together, it's always a thing of like, oh, look, Jeremy
2: Piven's mad again. Yeah. My main problem was everyone kept stopping Jeremy Piven. Like, if they actually just let him shout it out and actually just go one-on-one with Gary Marshall, if people would just stop interrupting Jeremy Piven having a go at his dad... We wouldn't be as angry in the film. Like, if they just let him sit down one-on-one and beef it out, that would have worked. But, of course, it's a film where, in films, people can't just talk to each other like human beings. You have to have that dramatic tension throughout the whole thing so that in the third act, you can have the resolution that makes
1: you feel all warm and gooey inside. In a way, it's manipulative. Oh, and it yeah. manipulated me because I was like, I'll oh, leave him alone, Ryan. He's trying. And he's like, no, no. Like you mentioned your point during the film when they had that argument in the kitchen. Yeah. Basically. And then, um, and, uh, you know, because you've made your point so clear, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Because it is, it's pretty much, you know, it's I've not. manipulated Ruth. You've manipulated me?
2: Well, because I <laughs> framed, yeah. Well, it's yeah, all about it's all about framing. Like, there's some great family dramas out there that exist that 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 frame can frame both sides. Like, I would have been more interested if I could understand both sides a bit more. But why do I care about Gary Marshall other than he's a nice guy? He did a terrible, terrible thing that he never made any effort to fix. Other than, hey, Jeremy Piven, you're you've screwed up. Two, well, hang on, but less so. Hang on a second, wasn't completely there a, different.
3: Wasn't there a line in the film where Gary Marshall said that um, Jeremy Piven doesn't return his calls? Yes, when he tries to. Yeah, yeah, oh, was?
2: he doesn't return his calls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. That's that, that that's the closest you get to Gary Marshall tries, but he doesn't try hard enough to drive out to L.A. and actually face his son one on one. Like, I don't think it's completely unreasonable for Jeremy Piven not to return or answer his calls considering the, pretty much, the lifetime of, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily abuse, but lifetime of misfortune Gary Marshall has bestowed onto him by leaving. Just, just, whoosh, off he goes and leaves. And it's like, it's that thing too, where in reality, I don't know, different, different, different people, different interpretations. But like, for me... If my dad left me when I was a small child and he tried to make it up to me by just trying to phone me, it wouldn't do. I want to see the effort of him coming back. That's just me. Like, and I think that's what Jeremy Piven's kind of like in this film. Because that's what he's calling him out on most of the time, that he never came back. And when he did come back, he just left. Like, he only came back because he was asked to come back. Like, they make a reference to that he saw the kid when he was born and that was like for five seconds and then he left again to live in the reservation. Where was he, Ryan? Who was he with? Gary Marshall's character is a Jew who teaches English and Yiddish to Native Americans in a reservation with Daryl Hannah who's also a white woman who's well, no, she's not also a white woman. She is just a white woman. Gary Marshall's not a white woman. Who is a, <laughs> who is a white woman who travels around different countries and cultures and tribes and adopts them for a period of time and bestows upon them her mysticism and absorbs their mysticism. She's also technically a student of Gary Marshall because she's also learning Yiddish that's what Gary Marshall's been doing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's what he's been up to. Because he couldn't do that 9 to 5 lifestyle, but he could be a teacher. Like, well, he makes fair, a complaint that he couldn't do the 9 to 5 getting on the train, selling stuff. Why didn't he just become a teacher? He seems like he's destined to be one. In the whole film, he's a mentor. He is the Jewish equivalent of the karate
1: kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like the Jewish equivalent of wax on, wax Yeah. Off. Yeah, fishing. It's good.
0: Fishing did make me think. I thought about what Erwin said. I thought about what the rabbi said. And then I talked to both of them. And slowly, for the first time, this bar mitzvah thing began to make some sense.
2: I know, you have to have dramatic tensions and, and, and family dramas and all that. But the problem is, make the family drama weighted evenly because it was it was too heavy on Gary Marshall's side. Like, there was no point in which it felt like Gary Marshall was in the wrong. Well, Ryan,
3: there is a third person who was affected by that decision.
2: Doris Roberts? Yeah. Mm. yeah. And what was
3: her attitude towards it? Her
2: attitude was, I've accepted it because I was terrible too. Hey, Jeremy Piven, you should get over it. Because nothing says being fair when... A woman who was a grown adult, her husband leaves her and she accepts it. And still considers him, or still uh, calls still him. Calls him in an affectionate, no, still chats to him in an affectionate manner. Well,
3: but in, in, her, in the second scene she appeared in, she said that she still calls him husband.
2: Oh, yeah. Again, the problem is her choice is fair, but her choice comes from being mature. Her choice comes from, she was a grown woman who was a mother, who worked, and all of this kind of stuff. So when she comes to the mature decision of being content with Gary Marshall's choice, it's okay, it's understandable, it's fair enough. Jeremy Piven was a child, and he grew up in a world that was created by that one decision, so Jeremy Piven's point of view, his understanding, his way of being has been caused by that choice. So it's understandable for him not to want to forgive because he hasn't been given anything to change the world that it was constructed for him. It's a typical thing of your parents are the reason you're fucked up.
1: For the protagonist, I think, like, the main conflict is, like, he has to learn how to accept... His bar mitzvah, basically. Even though all this conflict is happening around him, basically. Like a, a generational conflict, as Ryan put it. Yeah. And then, slowly but surely, the hero's journey leads him to doing his bar mitzvah, you know, without... Well, there is a couple of hiccups. But it all it all solves that. He learns how to be a man. And um, he, the generational thing is sort of solved in the last five minutes of the film.
2: As most films as do. As most
1: films do. But it was... yes.
3: His insecurity kind of leads to a bunch of problems. So he's got a whole smorgasbord of problems from being nervous around the girl he likes, having a phobia of public speaking, Mm. um, being... I'm going back to the nervousness thing, but like not being able to talk to his parents about his true feelings... His
2: best friend is technically A part of the competition As well mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't view it like that Since the family of course This kind of thing There is kind of like I don't I like it in the acting They don't say it But there is kind of a little bit Of an awkwardness between Benji and um, The Stein kid And, and Zachary Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah Zachary, Zachary Stein Zachary There's a little bit of a Tension there Even though Zachary Is actually the guy Who gives him the advice That helps him in the end mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The
1: um, the um, little bit of advice that gets him through um, his um speech basically at the um, temple, which was
0: squeeze your nuts. Squeeze your nuts. I guess it's time I told you about my trick. It works every time. When I get nervous, I stick my hand in my pocket and squeeze my balls. Oh, come on. No, seriously. Takes your mind off your nerves.
1: <laughs> which he actually did. Which I found kind of like Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, your face when he took his
2: hand out of his pocket after he finished. I his wasn't speech. I was
1: expecting him to like breathe deeply and be like, I'm speaking Well, like different Dekay. methods
2: for different people. Bartek but squeezes we Bartek and I use that method for when we do the podcast. We just squeeze our nuts the whole entire time.
1: So I I'm not aware of a third arm basically that's squeezing your
2: No, this is a fake arm I've got right here. Right. I'm just squeezing real hard right now. Benji um does a little bit of fraud uh, by sabotage it's fraud 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 Fraud. is it isn't it Bartok? it's fraud he fraudulently changed pertinent information by changing the date on the invitation so that the grandfather would come two weeks early so that they would all bond more and at no point is there a reveal of that action. At no point does Benji suffer consequences for lying. In fact, maybe this is just a Jewish thing, but maybe lying is good. In more Christian-related movies, usually the lie reveal happens. And and you know, they they learn a lesson about how that was wrong, but maybe the people who got affected by it also realised maybe it was the right thing to do. In this movie no one finds out. Well, it never what, affects anyone. Well, really. What
3: was he motivated by in doing that?
0: Uh,
2: what was he motivated by? Was it just he wanted he, to he get? You wanted, f- wanted to meet his grandfather,
1: right? I thought thought he was motivated not to have a bar mitzvah.
2: Yeah, he was motivated by not having a bar mitzvah. So he's like, I'll invite granddad two weeks early so that it stresses dad out Mm. so much that I can alter the bar mitzvah plans. That's what he really wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think he says something like that. He's like, I'm going to invite my granddad I've never met before just to piss off my dad so much so I don't have to have a bar mitzvah.
0: And that's when it hit me. If I invited the grandfather I never met got him to come here two weeks early, my father would be so freaked out that he would stop driving me insane about my bar mitzvah. So I sent him an invitation myself.
3: To be, completely, uh, to be completely honest, you I was forgot. acting all knowing there, but I was really just trying to ask questions in a way that like, remind me again, why this- <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it's okay, man. I, I do that. I, that's that's my trick. I just squeeze my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot like to squeeze. That's my problem. Yeah, you're, you're not squeezing hard enough. Mm. Hey, how about Reese squeezes your nuts so that you can use your hands? Well,
3: that's a bit tricky, Ryan, because you're between the two of us. Reese has okay, long so hands.
1: Ryan's closer. He can do it. And I'll just continue But I'm too nonsense. busy
2: squeezing. Don't worry, I can
1: make the podcast... Reese has long hands, not arms. Yeah, but... Hands. I can keep the podcast going by to- just talking nonsense, basically. Isn't that what you're doing While I... Now? I think, while I pant. Me- just like... For, for <laughs> Why solid... are you
3: panting? squeezing my nuts.
2: See, it's a pant!
3: Well, it feels good.
2: You're right, it does feel good. <laughs> for start... you too? Well, I'm squeezing him right now, and I'm panting internally. But you're enjoying it, right? Well, do you tell? I'm smiling. Well, that's why I'm
3: asking. This is like consent, but except that you're already doing it.
2: Well, it's myself, so do I need to give <laughs> okay, myself consent? Okay, sorry, not consent. consent <laughs> confirmation. Oh, that's a Catholic thing more than a <laughs>
0: Jewish thing.
2: <laughs> All right, bar mitzvah. Ah, that's now. That's what you're doing. I haven't had my bar mitzvah, but I've had my butt mitzvah, which is But you're is not a woman, well, except what? maybe you are. Your butt mitzvah. For girls, they're called... Butt mitzvahs, for boys they're called bar mitzvahs. You know why we're all over the place? Because this film is a nightmare and it's all over the place. This film is the kind of film, no joke, it'll come in and you'll meet Doris Roberts and she'll just say, Well, I should know, I'm the grandmother. And you're like, thank you. And then you'll have Gary Marshall and he'll be like, What's that? I've got an uh, invitation for my grandson's bar mitzvah. Well... haven't seen my grandson in a while. I better go. And then when he walks up, he's like, hey, it's me, the grandfather. It's like, we get it. We get who you all are. It's like the film hated us with how much it wanted to tell us obvious information. Like, it really felt like the film was like, you're an idiot who doesn't get simple dynamics. Here, let's explain it. The only thing I needed explaining if they could have explained in a better way that the Steins weren't the main family, it would have been great, because there were points where I'm like, ah, these crazy Steins, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, they're the they're the they're the fiblers. You know, they using Reese's one now. No, he said feeblers. Oh, right. I said so fiblers. Get cause... your fucking last name of the real family incorrectly right, Balzak. You said Fibfer instead of Fifi at one point. Yeah, at least I'm obviously incorrect. I was too, but it was like a little bit
3: different. Very similar to when we were watching in our first episode, uh, Legend of Frosty the Snowman, we were getting a feel for the movie. Oh yeah. Um as it was playing along and we we kind of we got the idea that yeah, there's going to be a lot of like you know funny Yiddish going on and things like that and Jewish stereotypes. So when we first met the grandmother, it was during a scene where uh the main family members the mother, father, and son uh, were talking to the organizer for
2: who's amazing by the way, Cheryl Hines. Yeah, we haven't we have
3: we haven't established
2: her yet, but we'll talk about her later. The the bar mitzvah planner. Yeah. Um, she walked into the
3: room and she said something along the lines of, I'm not going to say anything.
2: I'm the grandmother. I'm not going to say anything.
3: And we thought that, or at least I, am the one that pointed out, I don't know if you guys thought it, that the joke was going to be like, oh, she's going to say something, even though she said she wasn't going to. But then as the scene played out, while she did say things, she, she just didn't said interrupt sh- or anything like that.
2: Yeah, she just explained, Oi. Yes, yeah, so- That's literally all she said in the scene. No, no, no. no well, there was something. It's like,
3: I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking something, but I'm not going to say it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shamu is Jewish.
0: Benji, is it because you don't want to compete with Zachary's bar mitzvah? Oh, come on. We're going to blow the Stein bar mitzvah away. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying anything, but I'm thinking something.
3: Here's a question. Is this film
2: targeted at us? No, no. it's targeted really? at Jews. No. <laughs> Are you
1: no. sure
3: it's not targeted at us? It's nah, at no. specifically it's us. Targeted
1: <laughs> at Jewish families. I think that's that's the main. It's
2: point. targeted at Jewish mums. I'll, I'll tell you who it's. Not. It, let Jewish me Jewish mums specifically. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Oh, it's okay. targeted at Jewish mums, who and housewives who are in the situation in which they have an arrogant husband and a kid who's unsure of themselves, so that they can buy it, bring it home and say, hey, let's watch this movie and put it on and subtly manipulate their family into understanding the true meaning of what her situation is. That is who this is marketed towards. It's marketed towards Jewish mums and housewives to... I, I don't know what you're saying. I think that's exactly who this is marketed to because it's too adult for kids.
3: And the cover really screams what you're saying.
2: It's, yeah, no no, 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 no. It's marketed. No, no, seriously. Look, it's a safe cover that's marketed towards just... Look, it's got nothing sexual on it. It's nothing offensive. But
1: on that point, they've been safe. Don't you think mums would buy this for the whole family?
2: Yeah, but the whole family. But that's what I'm saying. She's doing it for the whole family. It's not like she's just gonna watch this by herself. She's gonna buy this so that she can sit down with the family and put it on. But it's specifically for. Do you think? Do you think Dad's gonna go get this? Yes. You're a liar. What? (laughs) I think you're like, do you think a dad's going to walk by this and go, oh, Gary Marshall? Oh, yeah, Jerry, like, no way is it, like, a a sane dad going to get this upbeat family movie. A dad would be, especially if they're going to be, like...
1: A dad will buy this, you know why? Because Gary Marshall will buy this movie because his son directed it. Ooh.
3: It definitely does seem like it would be for a Jewish family, and if there were to be a member of that family that would pick it up, I would say that it would be one of the Either
2: older members of the family, or maybe the mum. So the second act is just basically bonding, and then the third act is he gets over himself and uh, squeezes his nuts, and then the family all gets over themselves and they all squeeze their nuts in and, metaphor. And they
3: go, they jump into a pool.
2: Well, no, the son jumps into the pool because they won't, they won't squeeze their nuts, and then they're like, okay, shit. Now you, now you're
3: not being fair, Ryan. Now you're just, are <laughs> just making shit up. <laughs> and
2: then... Metaphorical squeezing of nuts. And then nuts. Jesus
1: turns up, right, right? No. No, listen. And Jesus is like, nachos for all. <laughs>
2: nah, That's a good reference to the film. Um, no, and what I'm saying is he's, he's basically like, you guys won't stop arguing. Squeeze your nuts in metaphor, which is let go, let go. <laughs> Squeeze your nuts wanted- to let go. No, right. That's what he does in the bar mitzvah. Was to let speech. go of his anxieties and fears and all that. The big visual representation of the theme is to squeeze your nuts. So me saying squeeze your nuts in such a flippant way is actually pretty accurate to the film in terms of it's a metaphorical they squeeze their nuts. In
3: the scene with... Him jumping into the pool. The problem was that they weren't listening to
2: him. Yeah, exactly. But there was, the problem was they weren't listening, but they were also still bickering. They were still butting heads. They weren't making ground. They weren't squeezing their nuts. But the squeezing the nuts thing was meant to get
3: past your insecurities.
2: Yeah, and there's was insecurities about each other and about the situation because they're arguing about... About the dynamic that the father and the grandfather had.
3: So you're saying that that is the case. You're not just trying to be funny by talking about nut squeezing. You're, yeah, no, like, that's literally the case. Yeah, yeah, they had to squeeze you, you the nuts. You don't just find squeezing nuts funny. You don't find it funny at all. Well, no, just, no, no, <laughs>
2: Listen, that's... just because I find it funny doesn't mean I can't use it to make uh, an example of... And you, you don't like saying squeezing nuts. Well, I, to be honest, the only reason I'm saying it so much is because you're pulling me up on it and making me have to say it so much. If I just kept going, we would have all been fine. Ryan,
3: say squeezing nuts.
2: Squeezing nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, what are you laughing about? You don't have any. Uh, that's right. He's, a, he's nutless.
3: Didn't we? Didn't we talk about how we all squeeze our nuts? Well, no. You well, Reese no, wasn't he, squeezing his nuts. No, we I, were
2: squeezing our nuts, and then I suggested repro- Reese squeeze
1: r- yours. Yeah, because I, apparently I have very long arms. Hands!
2: I said hands. You Specifically, said, hands. I said, haha. Kidding, I, have, I said hands. How am I supposed
1: to squeeze his nuts when I have incredibly long hands?
2: Because you have fingers.
1: Yeah, but you could squeeze I'd, with your finger. I could have really big hands, and I still can't reach. Long all. hands, not big. Long. So, like, fingers you know down. how
2: aliens have long fingers and hands? Yes. That doesn't mean big. I'm not saying like on The Simpsons in that one episode where the guy has the big hand.
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm not
2: saying that. I'm saying long. There's... <laughs> but I, was like, I have to explain the difference between big and long. The big question is, what do we talk about next? We've pretty much covered the film. Or have we? Because with this film here... We haven't talked about when it came out. I do know the year that this film came out, Mm -hmm. but I want to see if you, Bartek, and you, Reese, can give a rough guess of when this film was, like, when this film came out, when this film was made, how old this film is, what era this film is from, from having watched it and just even just looking at it on the DVD. Bartek, you, what do you think? Well, my main...
3: Uh, I won't say authority but the main thing that made me consider when it came out was the fact that one of the minor characters in the film is played by Miranda Cosgrove who is known for playing the little sister in Drake and Josh and also playing the, one of the characters in School of Rock mm. and School of Rock um, the class in that film was in primary school. Yeah, it? around our age. Yeah, around our age. And um, so and she still kind of looked like she did in that film, maybe give or take a few years, um, and that film was around two thousand three, two thousand five, I think. So my guess would be somewhere within that early to mid two thousands range. Give me a probably year. generalize it to two
2: thousand three, two thousand four. Oh yay, freeze. Yes. What year? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Reece. That's a Mr. Burns reference. Hello. yes,
1: Reese. Yes.
2: What year do you think Keeping Up With The Steins came out?
1: I'll go. I'll try a specific year. I'll try. It may not be correct, but I'll try and take a stab at
2: 2003. Ooh. So. Roughly the same as all I guess. Guess what, guys?
1: We're both wrong. You're both wrong. When, When did it come out, Ryan?
2: Come on, guys. Couldn't you tell? 2006! Mm. What disappointed you the most about this film? What was it that made this film a failure in your Just eyes? Just what they
1: chose as a storyline, as opposed to what they could have chosen. Like, for what they were promoting, they chose the storyline that was, like, the most unexpected thing, like, the most unpredictable thing they could have chosen. That, like, the storyline they put at the forefront kind of should have acted as a backstory. Mm. like a subplot oh they've got problems but they've got to do this competition thing basically now we don't have time to worry about this generational issue we've got to worry about the bar mitzvah but no you actually have got to worry about it that would have made a better storyline in my opinion so learn more from what Snow Day did yeah
2: yeah everyone should learn from
1: Snow Day I should learn from Snow Day I watched it as a kid
2: I've already discussed what I've found disappointing, and it's primarily the Gary Marshall effect, but also the fact that they aren't the Steins, and the Steins do play such a little role. I'm just going to echo it again, because I haven't talked about him enough. Larry Miller. (laughs) You put Larry Miller in a movie, and I get it. Larry Miller's a character actor, and he's a supporting actor. Rarely do you ever have Larry Miller be one of the central characters. He's usually a minor thing in the grand scheme of things, you know? Like, he's not a huge, uh... He's not a huge presence in everything he's in. I'm used to that. I am. Trust me. I'm used to the idea of Larry Miller being a supporting character and a background character. But, again, you see him on the cover, and and you think he's going to be an antagonistic figure. I, I, I am really disappointed that they got Larry Miller, to be honest, because Larry Miller's, uh, it's weird to say this, but he's above this. Like, he's a great comedic talent. He's one of the best people. He was the original choice for George Costanza. Uh, and that says something in itself, That that, that he's such a talent. He's so well-known in the sphere that he's in that you use him in something like this, and you don't use him... Legend of the Fro- Legend of Frosted Snowman, the film that we covered in our last mystery box, they used him. He was used. He was the antagonist. He was in the film. He was your favorite character. He was. Hanky Panky.
0: Hanky Panky.
2: Uh, you know, they used him, and he wasn't in the film very much. But the film didn't promote it as The Larry Miller Show, which this one kind of did, in my opinion. You have him on the poster, and... He's one of those character actors that you you walk in with assumptions of what he's going to be like. And he does deliver on those in this film, but he's barely in it. And when he is in it, he garners the most uh, affection from me. There's a moment in which he's pretending that he runs all the time with Jeremy Piven. And he's out of breath and whatever. And then Jer- Jeremy Piven ends the scene with a witty line where he runs off and is like, And I saw you hiding behind that tree. I know you haven't run a day in your life. And it's like... Great, and just everything that he wears in the movie. Like, as the film goes on, Larry Miller's clothes become more and more over the top by the end. He's pretty much wearing, like, a safari suit and a big hat and all that. And he has one of my favorite lines, which is, like, he's he's discovered that it, what happens is the bar mitzvah, they have a normal bar mitzvah in their house in the backyard, and Larry Miller's like, ooh, they're showing us they're so rich that they don't need to show us they're rich. Ooh, another clever move. And everyone's clapping and applauding and all that. And he and he makes this big comment like, oh, All these people are like, so fake and phony. And a woman next to him, a random woman looks at him shocked. And, you go, and he just delivers, in that Larry Miller way. Not you. Like, you no, know, you're very genuine. Like, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then proceeds to the badmouth again. And... I'm. I think that's it. Like, uh, that, that's the, the, the fake competition thing. Sure. The, the when I actually dig past the p- perception of what I had of the movie, I'm I'm disappointed with the Gary Marshall, Jamie Piven dynamic, and how it's framed. But uh, and then the, I know this still weighs into my first perception of the movie. But I'm disappointed with Larry Miller in it. Like I'm disappointed because he is, a, he's a sore thumb. He just sticks out in terms of what this film should have been. For me,
3: having my expectations subverted, it didn't disappoint me or offend me. It was just like an, oh, well, that's not what's happening. Let's see what does happen. Mm. And then what I got was, you know, it was a coming of age story. It, It dealt with Jewish issues. And like I said earlier, we're not the targets. And it's not something we understand, but I can at the very least appreciate seeing a representation of what that kind of stuff is like mm. because yeah, bar mitzvahs, that's only something that I've heard about in, I don't know, maybe like TV shows I watched general pop ago. culture, general pop culture. I, I think it's called myopia. So look with me not being offended by things and appreciating the fact that it was a representation. Um, I didn't hate the film. In fact, there were, you know, jokes in it that I liked. I can't say that I hate it. can't say that it's awful.
2: And that's Keeping Up With The Steins, basically. Yeah. The best thing that I learnt about Keeping Up With The Steins is Gary Marshall is not Jewish. Oh uh, yes. We found out because we watched it behind the scenes because... The film has a behind-the-scenes and the film was directed by Gary Marshall's son, Scott Marshall, because of course it is. And I've always thought, like
0: most people, that he's Jewish. Now I'm not Jewish, although everyone seems to think my dad is. When I met with the producers, I told them, even though I'm not Jewish myself, I grew up with a lot of Jewish kids and I married a Jewish woman, so I'm about as close as you can get without actually being Jewish.
2: Can I tell you a story about my Jewish experience? Yeah, tell us about your bar for, right? Okay, so one time I was waiting for a tram. I was waiting for a tram. I was on the street, and I have curly hair. And uh, I was on the street. <laughs> yeah, I was on the street. And a bunch of these uh, uh, rabbis and rabbis in trainings, I guess cantors or whatever, Hasidic Jews, walked by me. They were just walking by. And one of them, a younger guy, probably about, like, late 20s, walked back, he left his herd, went and he looked at me, he just went power walking right back towards me, he looked me dead in the eyes, and I was looking at him because he was looking at me. Right. He looked me dead in the eyes and said in that thick Jewish voice, excuse me. I'm like, what? He's like, Are you a Jew? And I'm like, No, I'm afraid and he and he sighed disappointment <laughs> and then said <sighs> he he sighed disappointment Waved his hand To my hair like like pointing at it And said <laughs> What is this And I didn't know how to reply And I just say, well I, It's just got, got curly hair and I, I'm Polish And he just goes Oh Polish he, he He's a young man with an old man's voice He really did sound like oh Polish And then he <laughs> Then he tutted He went and then began to walk away. And as he walked back, walked back to his, his group of people, he turned back, clicked his finger, and pointed at me and went, Polish, you could be a Jew, and walked on.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's my Jewish experience. Cause I live in a city. I live in Melbourne. And I see more priests and nuns walking about than I ever do rabbis mm. ever. And that was my one experience where I've seen rabbis and all that walking about. And that's what I got. I felt persecuted for not being a Jew. And I guess I know now well, the feeling th- of Jewish persecution. Well, at the end, when he pointed
3: at you, he, like, made a point of, like, Oh, I'm going back to my herd, and then I'll say the thing. Just in case you, well, like, Well, maybe, maybe him or something. he figured
2: it out. Maybe he was, like, walking off. T- Wait a second. And he's Jew- like, Poland had Jews, a million Jews,
1: Hitler. Oh, my God. You could be a Jew. <laughs> have you dance. looked into it? Wait. Is he, could he have meant should you should have been a Jew? Or like, no, he said you could,
2: could be a Jew. So like I'm not aware so. that I could be a Jew. So when Barzak earlier was like yeah, we could be, he's like we we're definitely not Jewish. I'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. A rabbi said I could be. Ooh. Ooh.
3: us and we're being attacked by someone and we need a fourth person to help us and that fourth person has to be from keeping up with the style. <laughs> so you know
2: the name is keeping up with the Cardassians yeah well it's,
3: it's the up with is very small I had to make sure that I could read it on the cover I
2: told you it's small yeah I know I felt like I was getting in pedantic information with the font but I'm like it really is something that you have to notice yes so we've got we... three there's, we've got enemies yeah, three we've of got them. one enemy one enemy yeah but and there's we, three take, of us It takes four people to beat it takes everybody. four so okay. that you know you know what this is there is you know you know those boss levels yes. where they take their final form and they're just like a floating head with floating hands mm, classic that's what this boss is okay. and we need
1: a fourth member a fourth
2: member to to help us from the film yeah
3: yeah it needs to be a character from keeping up with the Steins. who can we rely on to help us
2: Uh... But Arisco, uh, you pick you. Who do you think? Jeremy Piven. He, okay, Jeremy Piven. Okay, okay I wouldn't I'll, say him. I'll,
1: I'll, mm. The reason I say that is the kid jumped in the pool. Ooh, who he, was the first one to dive in? Uh,
2: Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. That's a good point. He, 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 we know that he's water resistant. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if this is a water boss, he's fine. Does he have a sword? No, no Gary, Gary Marshall, Marshall has a sword. Oh. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we're not. we I don't know about this. I'm gonna put this in there. We didn't talk about her at all. Yeah. But Cheryl Hines' character of the planner, who um, whose name was, I think, Noodleman <laughs> or something, I would pick her because she got told at the end of the movie nearly, or the start of the third act, that the bar mitzvah that she had planned, all this amazing stuff for, was cancelled. And she managed to still host the bar mitzvah in, like, less than eight days, which is, again, a reference to the Jewish faith Because of... Hanukkah, Mm. She's the candle. She managed to hold out for those eight days leading up to the bar mitzvah. And she made a bar mitzvah happen. And she's still got Neil Diamond. Yes, Neil Diamond's in the movie as himself. To still be at the bar mitzvah. Still lock him in. Even though they weren't doing it right. So I pick her for her perseverance. And she's not... I don't know if her character's supposed to be Jewish. I don't know. Noodleman, maybe... But um, I would pick her because she's a strong woman, a planner, funny, and reliable. reliable. She's got the Jewish perseverance, mm.
3: spirit, right. strength of spirit. All right. Well, Ryan, the four of us have to go beat the boss now.
2: Okay, Cheryl. You go, Noodle Man.
3: It's oh, the boss G- music.
2: Oh, all right. you know I-, I thought that was her re- music. <laughs> It's like, we go Cheryl Hines! (laughs) She gets the villain music. (laughs) Little did the boss know we unlocked a boss from a previous level and they're fighting the new boss. That's how good she is. She's a boss that we fought previously from Nine Lives and now she's come back to fight in this arena with us. We've like unlocked a boss. It's me, Cheryl Hines, and I'm here to kick your up a the Get it, Cheryl? Go! <laughs> <laughs> doosh 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 go, goosh! Goose goose. Ah doosh, no. doosh, no. doosh! ah ah no, Cheryl Hines fell! We need someone who was water-resistant! No! Is this...
1: Is this a game over
2: for Spit and Polish Presents, Unappreciated Masterpieces, and the Mystery Box and whatever future endeavours?
1: But wait a minute, here is Jeremy Piven to save the day. Dun, 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 It's me,
2: Jeremy Piven. Get him, Jeremy! Puppy power!
0: <laughs> ha
2: your water doesn't work on me! Mr. Pool Man, and here I am with my chlorine. Oh no, I am dead. You did it, Jeremy. Thanks to you, we'll survive for another episode.